You guys, this is Pastor Jay Morgan, Director of the Appalachia Prayer Center Ministries in the West Virginia Prayer Alliance. I am so excited that you've joined me today for this episode of Stay Focused. Uh, today, we're going to build upon the last several days worth of teaching. I'll give just some brief recaps here in just a minute. But the topic we're, we're going to uh, focus on today is uh, being seated, seated versus striving. There are so many people who uh, can anticipate, feel, and sense that, that God is at work in the world all around us, even in the middle of the current crisis that our world is in. Um, just to mention this for future podcasts uh, that will be audio only, I just want to remind us, if you're listening in years later, uh, the state of the world, what's going on in the world right now. Um, 150 plus nations of the world is 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 um, uh, struggling to make sense and understand and grapple with a disease called COVID-19 is caused by a novel coronavirus. There's a lot of uncertainties. Uh, we do know a lot of people around the world have been sick. A lot of people in our nations uh, have been sick. Um, many have died from this. Um, it seems to especially uh, be rough on people who have any kind of uh, you know, certain pre-existing uh, conditions. And so uh, most of the nation is in uh, extreme quarantine. Uh, most um, only essential business in most states is all that's it's, it's working. And millions of us are in self-quarantine in our homes. Uh, the, the prophetic voices have spoke clearly to us that God wants to use this season to prepare us. So this season of isolation from others is actually an opportunity to be pulled into the secret place for preparation by the Lord. Now, in several episodes of Stay Focused, I have talked about this. In episode four, I've talked a, a, a lot about the vital role of prayer. I would encourage you to go back and listen to that. Today is going to build a lot upon that. Um, uh, lesson five, I've talked about how to have communion with God. I uh, can't reteach this, but um, I want you to go back and listen to these, particularly if you haven't heard them uh, but before. Uh, lesson six yesterday, I talked about uh, the subject of know your place. And in that teaching, I, uh, I stressed how it is so important that um, we understand that as followers of Jesus, our first and foremost place is to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So our first place is like Mary at the feet of Jesus, pouring out extravagant worship at his feet, um, costly as she poured out that costly perfume on the feet of Jesus. Even though Judas criticized her using Jesus' own teaching, I talked about this a lot yesterday, Jesus uh, corrected the situation. Uh, Judas said, you know, you know, Lord, we could have took, took this perfume and sold it and given the money to the poor. And, and Jesus said, you know, the poor you always have with you. In other words, saying that there's plenty of time for ministry that I have instructed. See, Jesus instructed ministry to the poor. But he said, you know, what Mary is doing right now is right in this moment. This is the right thing to do. At other times, you find Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening while others are working. She's listening. Now, what I want to say, and, and yesterday I built um, uh, the, the entire lesson. I want you just to go back and listen to that again. Um, I, I'm not just trying to plug past lessons. I mean, I, I firmly believe these teachings will help you grow as a believer in Jesus and will prepare you for the season that's in front of us. This season of preparation will last you through the years. Um, 
day four or episode four, I talked about how, and some in, in episode five, I talked about how that this is a season to get extra oil in your lamp because it will not surprise me after this season of crisis and quarantine is over, we'll see an uptick of church activity. People will be glad to get home, lots of seeds being planted, but it wouldn't surprise me if the world just went right back to spiritual sleep. And then in a moment in time, when we're not expecting it, then the bridegroom will come and he'll begin to move in extreme revival. So if, if it happens as soon as the quarantine's over, if it happens later on this year, whatever it is, uh, whenever it is rather, I want you to be ready. Yesterday, I talked a lot about knowing your place. We've talked a lot the last several episodes about being with Jesus first and foremost. Uh, remember the great commandment, which is to love your Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the first commandment. And the second is like it, to love your neighbors, we love ourselves. And often when we think of ministry, we just want to focus on that ministry to people. But remember the first commandment is to love God to be with God, to grow in relationship with God. And then the second is this love for people. Now, in our polarized world, uh, where it's everything is either A or B, A or B, A or B, uh, many of you heard what, what, what I just said. You heard me saying you either love God and spend time in worship or you serve the world and spend time. But I didn't. I said the first thing is to love God, and then the second is to love your neighbor. So it's not uh, A or B. It's first, then second. Say it with me. First, then second. There's plenty to do. The Lord has saved us to do good works. Ephesians 2 and 10 stresses that. But the the the, the but the uh, primary thing is, I'll get out here in a second. Uh, the primary thing is, is that we're first and foremost seated at his feet. Um, and... I want us to read a verse together to set up our talk, and it's in Ephesians uh, chapter 2. I'll put it on the screen here in a minute, but I want to do a setup. In Ephesians 1, Paul talks about, again, as he often starts his books with the supremacy of Christ. Colossians 1, Ephesians 1, um, at the beginning of Hebrews, so many of these New Testament books just focus on what Jesus is, and Paul talks about the the glorious thing that Jesus is, and then how that God has placed him above everything. And then, then chapter 2 starts with Paul saying, but as for us, as for you, as for me, we're not all of that. We were dead in our trespasses and sin. But notice here what Paul says. Now, now, now uh, follow along with me here in Ephesians 2, 4 through 6. We were dead in our sin, but God... Don't you love that? But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, see, that's the glorious news of the gospel, is not that we were lovable, but that God loved us. Even when we were his enemy, as uh, as one um, as uh, Paul describes in other writings, we were his enemies, we were dead in our trespasses, but God loved us, and made us alive together with Christ. Man, that is good news. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him. And seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So Paul is emphasizing the fact that God saved us. We didn't deserve it. We were dead. But he saved us, made us alive. But that isn't all. But he actually seated us with Christ. Now, where's Christ seated? Above all things, get this, get this. 
Yesterday I said, know your place, which is at the feet of Jesus. But notice here, and, and Ephesians tells us that God has seated us with Jesus. So it's really important to know where Jesus is seated, okay? Jesus is, a, is seated above all things, and then God has seated us with Jesus above all things. That is a powerful concept. And we're not just talking about heaven when we die. We're talking about authority right now. See, uh, several things I want to talk about being seated. And when Christ is seated above all things, uh, Scripture is referring to his place of authority above all things. Now think about that. Think about a king. When a king rules, when a king walks into a throne room, uh, think about a judge even, because we don't really have kings in our culture and society. When a judge walks in, everyone stands to honor the judge. The judge is seated in his place of authority then everyone sits. I want you to look back at what the scripture tells us, okay? That we were raised up. Are you getting this? That God raised us up with Jesus and seated us with Jesus in heavenly realms. Now, when the king is seated, when the judge is seated, um, he is working, but he's actually exercising authority, but he's not doing so in a frantic way. This seated, um, this, this, in, in a couple of days ago, um, I talked about this Greek word, kathizo, which, which is often translated to wait or to tarry, but, but the, the real meaning of kathizo is to actually settle down. Now catch this. Jesus told his disciples to go back to Jerusalem and settle down and wait for power, cathizo. Little, little side point Matt often makes is that the last time that Jesus was with the disciples, he had asked them to cathizo in prayer, to tarry, to wait with him in prayer in the garden. And they didn't, they fell asleep and then he had to do that alone. But then when Jesus met with them again, he picked up exactly where he left off and said, you have to learn how to settle down, be seated, settle down. I'm not just talking about being quiet in your worship. I am talking about a posture of peace. This same word, kathizo, is translated when, when it says that Jesus sat and taught them for three days. In other words, um, let me see if I still have that definition of cathizo. Uh, I, I want to put this back up. Cathizo means to make, to sit down, to have fixed one's abode, to dwell. To make, to sit down, to have fixed one's abode, to dwell. So what we're talking about is not being in a panic, frantic place, even in the middle of adversity. Because when Jesus told the disciples to go back to Jerusalem and settle down to cathizo and wait for power... Jerusalem was that place they had just ran from for their lives. And that's where he sent them back into. I told them this in detail a couple of days ago, but I just want to set us up with this. To learn. Now, what's interesting, when Paul, in the verse we just read, Ephesians 2, that says that God has seated us with Jesus, same word. It actually means to sit together. This Greek word means to sit together. It's a combination of two Greek words, but one is to kathizo, to sit but the other is with or together. So we're seated with Jesus. 
Let me explain something. The only way that you're going to cathizo settle down, tarry, wait, is with Jesus. And the promise is if you will learn to settle down in his presence, then he will baptizo you with power. Baptizo, which literally is not the quick dip. I did extensive teaching on this a couple of days ago, but we're talking about a marinating. That baptizo means to, to soak or to marinate. And so God literally wants to bring you to a place of being seated with Christ in authority, but not frantic, but like a judge knows his authority. So he's not frantic. You need to understand your authority with Christ, learn to settle down, be seated with Christ, in the authority God has placed with you. I hope this is making sense. See, when you learn how to be seated with Christ, you're actually partnering with Jesus in mission. There, let's, let's go back to the, to the garden. Genesis 1, and I talked about this some yesterday. God created Adam as his son, made in his image, then gave him an assignment, which was rule, subdue the earth. Now, we have been recreated in Christ. Now, we, we understand that when Adam fell, he also lost that place of authority in the world. See, the ground was no longer a garden that would produce for him. He was no longer partnering with the Lord in meaningful mission, but he was actually striving and causing and cursing and toiling for the ground to produce. And for many of us, that is Christian ministry. But if that's the case, and I, I just think we're approaching it wrong, guys. And that's not to say that all of your assignments will be easy. Paul's assignments were extremely difficult, but he learned to be seated with Christ so he could do all things through Christ who gives him strength. And that's what he was talking about in Philippians 4, that he's learned the secret to being content. And whether the assignment is good or bad or difficult or easy, the secret to being content is to be with Christ. So I am just stressing in this time, you need to learn to be seated with Christ. Even when the world is in a pandemic and, and the economy is up and down and there's uncertainty everywhere, learn to grow in a secret place, be seated with Christ, cathizo with Christ, sit down in heavenly realms with Christ, cathizo with Christ, and he will baptizo you with power. See, often we, we get the cart before the horse. We're living under the curse of the law. We're striving in ministry, trying to make it produce. I can say that because I spent the majority of 26, 27 years striving in ministry. My, my heart loved the Lord. I didn't know how to be seated with the Lord. Yesterday, I talked about, uh, honestly, what I'm talking about is, uh, building upon what I talked about yesterday, is that when you learn to be seated with the Lord, then your assignment comes from your identity. You're a son of God, daughter of God. You're not doing things to try to earn anything trying to earn God's love, to learn, earn the approval of man, you're just simply responding to what your father is asking you to do. Your, your assignment flows out of love relationship with God. Remember Jesus asking Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Well, feed my sheep. Do you love me? Three times, back and forth. So Jesus wanted to establish the relationship of love first, because we don't love him, then even Listen, if our ministry doesn't flow out of love, identity, love, and trust, and that third one is, you know, our assignments to flow out of trust. If our identity, excuse me, if our assignment ministry isn't flowing from that, I'm going to tell you that even the simplest of Christian tasks sometimes going to seem overwhelming. It's because we're putting the cart before the horse. If the cart is Christian ministry and service, 
And many of us are getting geared up for the Lord to use us in the future. But I want to tell you, you got to get this straight. Because if the cart is Christian ministry and service, then the horse that pulls that cart is a heart fixated on Jesus. The first commandment, loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then you can properly do the second commandment. Remember in uh, 2 um, uh, Corinthians 8, Paul talks about uh, the, the Macedonians. And he bragged, Second uh, uh, Corinthians 8, 1 through 5, go read this later. He bragged about their sacrificial service because he said they're poor. They were very poor people in need themselves, but they begged for the opportunity to give to others who are in need. And Paul lifted up their serving attitude as a model for the other churches. But notice what he said. He said, but they gave themselves first to the Lord. And then he gave them as a gift to others. See, when we give ourselves first to the Lord, then he can give us as a gift to others. And the Lord used them greatly. And their sacrificial service was used as an example uh, to others, but this was only possible because they gave themselves first fully to the Lord. Because they were given at a level that didn't make sense. They were given at a level that didn't even demonstrate love for people. They themselves had need, but they were pouring out generously because they gave themselves first to the Lord. And see, often, you know, that cart before the horse, we put that cart of ministry service, and, and we're not pulling that cart with a heart fixed on love toward Jesus. We're behind it, pushing and striving and pushing. So many times it's easier to pull than push. So get that heart fixed on Jesus. I want you to, I'm going to talk the rest of the, uh, tonight um, about being fixated on Jesus and, and ministry not based on the opinions of others. See, because when you're seated in Christ, you're seated in your authority as a son or daughter of God, and ministry isn't based on the response of people. I know that sounds crazy, but notice Jesus. Jesus preached a sermon one time, and this gives me hope as a preacher, because Jesus preached a sermon, and they tried to throw him over a cliff when he was finished. Now, I've had some bad responses to messages. I've never had someone drag me out, try to throw me over a cliff. And Jesus just kind of passed through the crowds but what, and, and hid himself from them and went on. Now, if that had been many of us, man, that, that would just shut us down. That kind of rejection, that would just shut us down. Oh, I must not be called. Oh, you know, I, I must be wrong. And we would have had a pity party for, 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 for a year. At times a lot of my life in ministry, Lord, the people would have responded like that. Man, I, I, I wouldn't have moved from that spot. But notice Jesus. He functioned in his identity as a son. Remember, the last couple of days we talked about Jesus said, I only do what I see my father doing. I speak what I hear my father saying. Jesus didn't say and do things to see how it would garner a response from the people. He listened to the father. He watched the father. He spoke and responded according to the will of the father. And when people wanted to throw him over a cliff, you know what he did? He just made his way through that. And then just ask the Father, what do you want me to do now? Then he went, to, now notice this, this is real important, because then he went to the, the very next town he went to preach in. They loved him. They honored him. They couldn't get enough of him. And he preached and taught them. And they just, they just absorbed every word that he said. And it came to a point in time then when Jesus needed to leave that town. And the people were scrambling around him saying, oh, don't leave us. Now, see, if, I had been, if that had been us, we would have never left that town. 
We would have found our people. We would have found those people who affirmed us, who believed in us, and we would have just stayed in that town. But Jesus said, no, I have to leave because I have to preach to other towns. Why is he saying that? Because he knew what the Father was speaking. He knew what the Father was doing. So Jesus wasn't swayed by the rejection of man, but you've got to get this. But neither was he swayed by the approval of man either. If Jesus would have been swayed by the approval of man, he would have never left that town. He would have just been there. He wouldn't have went to the cross. Everything, the fullness of his ministry would have just ended right there. Guys, it is so vitally important that what you do for the Lord is flowing from that place of being seated with Christ, not based on how humans are responding to you, but listening to the voice of God, watching what the Father is doing, and responding in sync. I hope you're getting this. Now, I, I, I want to say to you, and there's a, there's a few things that, that I want to share with you. When, when you are seated with Christ, and then the Lord begins to give you serving opportunities, and I'm being mindful of my time here, but listen to me carefully. When you're seated with Christ, you no longer have to make your own way. Let me share a couple of things that the Lord placed in my heart months ago. When the Lord places you, you don't have to grab, you don't have to push, you don't have to demand your right. You don't have to make passive-aggressive posts against your leaders. You don't have to do any of these things. You are waiting on the Lord to place you. Now, I, I might be making some enemies now, but when I'm seated in Christ, I respond when Christ tells me to respond. I am not waiting for the approval of people. That doesn't mean I, I should be sub, uh, subject to my church leaders. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But what I mean is, I don't need ministry to validate me. So I can wait when the Lord tells me to wait. When my leaders tell me to wait, I can wait. When they tell me to train, I can train. I don't have to grab. I don't have to push. Proverbs 18, 16. Listen to this carefully. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before the great. I want you to think about this. Your gift will make room for you. When you're seated with Christ and you're responding to what the Lord is telling you to do, you're waiting uh, subject to authority, your gift will make room for you. See, too many people trying to make room for their gifts. They're pushing, grabbing, demanding rights, demanding attention, sulking, being aggressive, being passive aggressive. Listen, I've been in church ministry for 30 years. I've been guilty of these things in my life before. But let me explain to you. When you learn to be seated in Christ, you only respond when the Lord tells you to. And so if he has you in a holding pattern, if he has you on a pause, if he has, the coach has you on the bench, you're not sitting over there sulking. You're still in the game. You're trying to see what's happening in the game. You're positioning yourself. You're making sure you're ready so when your moment goes in, you go in. Let the gift make room for you. You don't have to make room for it. And when the Lord places you, and when you're waiting for the Lord to place you, you're not feeling sorry for yourself. You're not keeping score as to who's being used here and how often this one's getting used and the opportunity that one's getting. No, that comes from a place of striving, not from a place of rest waiting for the Lord. Now, here's the thing. You can, you can reject this teaching, but it doesn't change this teaching. It's truth whether we accept it or reject it. And many of us, the Lord wants to prepare us in this season because he has great works for us. 
but we won't allow ourselves to be disciplined by the Lord, and so we'll have minimal or moderate success when we could have uh, we could have great ministry opportunities. And here's the thing. You can call up 20 of your friends. You can get 40 people on Facebook to side with you. But the Lord has you in a, in a period, in a season, a preparation. It doesn't matter how many people will side with you. If you reject that season, he can't release you into the fullness of what he has for you. I hope you listen to this. Remember Jesus, uh, uh, Peter in John 21. A minute ago, I talked about how Jesus came to Peter and asked him if he loved him. And he said, yes. And so Jesus gave him an assignment. And then Jesus kind of gave G uh, Peter a prediction of his death. And it kind of gets like a weird moment there. And then it, uh, the rest of John 21 um, points out that, you know, the apostle John, who's writing this gospel, comes into the scene. And Peter looks at Jesus and says, well, what about him? See, a lot of us, we're so fixated on what the Lord is asking others to do. And notice what Jesus' opinion, excuse me, what Jesus' response to Peter was. And I'm paraphrasing. You can go read it in John 21. He said, what is it to you what I do with him? I asked you to follow me. So Jesus is saying, I gave you an assignment. I asked you to do something. I didn't ask you about that person. Let me deal with him. I'm dealing with you right now in this moment. So the question is, you can't get fixated on what God's asking other people to do. That's their assignment. You have to stay fixated on following Jesus for yourself. That's your assignment. And, G and, and Jesus looked at Peter and said, I asked you to follow me. You, you can't worry about what I'm doing with John. And so I'm just going to say, when you're seated with the Lord, uh, you learn how to rest in him, be submitted to him, to follow him, to allow him to place you. Now, I have a word to share with what I believe that the Lord wants to do with us in this season. A specific word that he wants to, to, to share, uh, me to share with you. But hold on, I, I, I want to get through this first. So when the Lord actually does place you, when he does call you off the bench, don't reject it. Don't resist it. So on one hand, you don't have to push and grab and demand and sulk and, and, and your, your way into serving. You're seated. You're, you're resting. You're waiting. But then when he does say, come, you, you come off the bench and you just do what it, is, what it is he's asked you to do. And see, the hardest thing for us to realize is it's not about us. It's not about Jay. It's not about you. It's not about anybody else. It's about Jesus. It's about his kingdom. It's about his strategy. It's about what he needs from us at any point in time. It's not about our need to be used. It's about what he needs from us at any point in time. And if he wants us on the front line or in the background, if he wants us in the front of the room or face down in the back of the room in prayer, it doesn't matter. Whether it's serving in the street or away in a prayer closet, it's all about him, his glory, his kingdom. Is anybody in the room with me? Now notice, I just want to talk about being seated in authority uh, real quick. As always, I'm going to go over one or two minutes. But, but hang with me. Just hang in this video with me. Jesus talked about authority when the centurion, the Roman centurion, come and asked him to heal a servant. Uh, he said, just send the word. 
Now, no, notice Jesus' response to the Roman centurion. He praised him for his understanding of authority. He said, you're a man of authority. You are submitted to authority, and then you have authority over others. See, many of us want the authority, and authority just means power or permission. That's another teaching. I want to talk about what authority actually means. It means you have the power, the permission to do something. You have the jurisdiction. See, we want spiritual jurisdiction, but Jesus said, but you are also a man who is subject to authority. See, Jesus, the ultimate authority, upon this rock I will build my church, the rock of who he is. But he told Peter, um, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this, this to you, of who I am, and upon this rock I'll build my church. And he said, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But notice that Jesus gave the church authority specifically in Ephesians 4, 11 to 12. And uh, episode two, I talked about the role of the fivefold ministry. Go back and watch that. But Jesus placed the fivefold ministry in the church. Ephesians 4, 11 to 12, uh, 12 says that he ascended into heaven and then he gave the fivefold ministry back to the church to equip the church to prepare them for, for works of ministry. So I want to say to you that if you want to be used in authority in this upcoming season, you need to be subject to the authority that God has placed in the church and the fivefold ministry of the church. You need to learn to submit to authority. And when authority says prepare, you prepare. You don't get mad and go start your own ball game. You prepare. When the coach says train, you train. You, you, you don't just go do your own thing. You respond to what he has asked you to do. Because if you want authority, you need to learn to be subject to authority. And that is the authority that he has established through the church. And here's a word. And then my final minute here. Here's a word that God wants to say. Is that during this time, um, um, during this time, that he's called us into in the secret place, he's given assignments. But he doesn't just want to give assignments. He wants to develop intimacy with you. He wants to develop relationship with you. And he wants you to develop trust in him. And that trust will come through the intimacy and the relationship you have with him. At the end last week, last night rather, I talked about how we don't need clarity, we need trust. But see, he also wants to purify you. Many of us, this is a time for us to rid ourselves completely of the works of the flesh. Listen to me clearly. This is a word from God to us. If we want to be used in this next season, evangelists, listen to me. Intercessors, listen to me. Church folks, listen to me. Servants, listen to me. Everyone, listen to me right now. You need to allow God to purify you, consecrate yourself, throw off the sin that easily besets you, throw off the pride, throw off the sexual immorality. If you're struggling with pornography, it's time to overcome that through the blood of Jesus. If you're struggling with lying, if you're struggling with gossip, get the works of the flesh out of you. The Lord wants to purify you. He wants you to consecrate yourself, set yourself apart. He wants to make you holy so that he can use you fully in this next season. In Joshua, he said, consecrate yourself, for tomorrow you'll see mighty things. So the Lord wants to give us assignments. He wants to develop intimacy, relationship, and trust, but he also wants to purify you. And the last thing I want to say is the Lord wants to give a new level of power. Cathizo, settle down in his presence. I have to learn during this time to settle down. I've been frantic in ministry, and the Lord is saying, settle down in my, th in my presence. If you will learn to cathizo with me, Jay,
I will baptizo, I will saturate you, I will marinate you with a new level of power. I hope this has been a blessing to you. Process, listen to this message again and again. Don't strive, learn to be seated. Allow the Lord to place you in authority, subject to authority, because there is a great, great move of God right in front of us. And guys, I want you to be ready for that. Listen to the video. Share it again. Uh, listen to it again. Share it with others that can benefit from us. From it, so that there are many of us that God wants to use in this upcoming season, but we won't be properly prepared. We won't have the oil unless we take hold of the Word of God to us right now. I love and appreciate you guys. Make sure to, after I end this video, go back to West Virginia Prayer Lines. We have some guys leading worship, taking prayer requests for the rest of the evening. We love you.